Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. In the year 1189, that's a long time ago, uh, in England, Richard the Lionheart was king. That's what they called him, Richard the Lionheart. And King Richard was a beloved king. He was born a great leader. He was a good fighter. He was a wrestler. He was a runner. He was a poet. He was handsome. He was a gracious man. And uh, while on a military crusade, Richard was captured. He was imprisoned. And he was held for ransom by his arch enemy, Leopold of Austria. Back home in England... Richard's wicked brother, John, seized the throne. John was everything Richard wasn't. John was cruel and crafty, wicked and selfish. And during his rule, in England suffered immensely. They longed, England longed for the return of their beloved King Richard. And one day, he did return. Tales are told how he marched straight for the throne and overtook his wicked brother, laid claim to what was rightfully his. And the people shouted in delight, Long live the king, Richard Lionheart. The people of England had their independence again. They were free from the cruelty of John. Now, when I read this story, it reminded me of another story. It was actually the Lion King. Do you guys see the correlation? How Scar took over, and it was a mess, and it wasn't until Simba. But anyways, here's the point, right? Today, we too are waiting for a king to return. A greater king than Richard, who's going to reclaim his throne. (sighs) Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The conquering one. Oh, guys, how we're going to praise. Long live the king. Now, we are anxiously awaiting his prophesied return. And as we look around the world today, it's no secret, guys, that our hearts long for his return. For him to come back and set up his kingdom, a kingdom that has no end. You see, in Revelation chapter 4, Jesus returns for his church. Chapter 4 gives us a peek also into the portals of heaven. Heaven will offer things we look for in our earthly dwellings. You go, well, like what? Well, a great location, great views, great rates. You go, what do you mean? Well, it's free for those who follow God's Son. The Bible refers to eternity in the same everyday manner it refers to life here on earth. Earth, if you will, is simply a stopover on the way to our eternal destination. As we continue in our study in the book of Revelation, we'll uncover, if you will, the destination of two people groups, 
You go, who are they? Well, number one, it's those who soften their hearts toward God. I'm praying for a people that will go, wow, I'm ready to follow Jesus 100%. The other people group, you ask, it's those who actually harden their hearts against God. Listen, the promise of heaven is a great incentive for us today. No matter how bad it gets here, we know greater things are yet to come. That's how you and I, Alex, can get up every morning and face the day. Regardless of our circumstances, we know this is just a stopover. We know, man, we're going to live eternally with God in heaven. And when I say eternally, our brains can't even imagine what that means. Forever. That's like incredible. Like, like, like I know how many, how long I've lived on this earth. And like I told you earlier, man, the older we get sometimes, we just like, man, oh, man, I, I hurt my back. How'd you do that? Turning in bed. I mean, it's not the way it used to be anymore. I'm ready for this body to, I'm ready for my new body. And, and, and God's gonna do that. But again, no matter how bad we see it gets here on earth, no matter what you think of, of our politics or the United States or what's going down and oh Lord help us, it's only gonna get better for those who believe. It's only gonna get better for those who believe. Now, this evening, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at several points that pertain to a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Now, Here's what I want to do. I want to go back. Remember what we've been studying. In the book of Revelation, remember, it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ, okay? Now, let me just back up for a second, Mike. It's not revelations. Oh, look at all these revelations. It's the revelation of Jesus. If you want to know about Jesus, this is what we're talking about. As a matter of fact, in chapter 1, verse 19, the book gives us a divine outline. Notice what it says. It says, write these things which you have seen. He's talking to John. The things which are and the things which will take place after this. What's he saying? John, write these things which you have seen. Okay, John is at the island of Patmos, and he has this incredible vision of Jesus, the glorified description of our Savior. He's good. I don't understand. I don't get it. Oh, how I would long to see the beautiful glorified Jesus. But when John saw him, he fell, boom, he fell dead, as dead. But he writes it down. John, 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 John. Yes, sir. Write the things which are. And for the last several weeks, guys, we've been studying the seven actual churches in Asia Minor. And looking back, we can look at how all of these letters to the churches encompassed what we know about church history. It affected all of us, right? And you go, how so? Remember the church of Ephesus. Do you guys remember? Ephesus left their first love. They didn't lose it. They actually walked away from God. But yet they're doing ministry. They're handing out bulletins. They're having children's ministry, potlucks and outreaches. And they had forgot about Jesus. And yet that's the same for us. A lot of Christians out there will walk away from God. And they'll stay busy doing work. But they've left Jesus. And remember what Jesus says, guys, listen, here's the remedy, return. He says, repent from what you're doing. Go back to that place. 
And it reminded us to go back to the place where we had that true encounter with God, where he changed our heart and he changed our mind and, and, and the scales fell out of, and our heart became alive again. And that's what he's saying, and we see that. Of course, we studied all the way till last week. It was the church of, well, it's the church of Laodicea. And the church of Laodicea encompasses all the church age up until today, that we're in the church age of Laodicea. And you know what the Lord says to the church of Laodicea? He says, man, I wish you were hot. I wish you were cold. But the problem is, is you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, he says, that makes me sick. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So we learn so much. But he also tells John, he says, write the things that are going to take place after this, after this, okay? This is a time when the church is no longer, the church is not present on the earth, and the judgment of God is going to be poured on the earth who have rejected Christ, okay? We're going to touch on that a little bit later on in the evening, but tonight and next week, we'll talk about all of chapter 4, but let's just look. Okay, let's look at, at uh, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll come back, okay? You ready? Revelation 4, 1 and 2. He says, after these things, okay? Now, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, that's a good, just underline it, okay? I'm going to have you underline a lot of stuff. John says, after these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you things that must take place after this. There it is again. Immediately, John says, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and the one set on the throne. Wow. What's the very first thing we see in these verses, guys? Man, we see John's entrance to heaven. Okay? Your attention, please. All he wrote about for the last three chapters was about the churches. He said, and the letter to the church, and the letter to the church, and the letter, and we saw seven churches. But now, all of a sudden, the first thing he says is, after these, he says, and can you imagine? This is John's entrance to heaven. The first thing he says is, after these things, I looked, and he said, behold, he says, what's that? A door standing open in heaven. Okay? Now, remember, he's talking about an open door. But if you recall, your brains go, oh, okay, I got this. In Revelation chapter 3, John actually wrote to the church in Philadelphia. Do you remember that? Do you remember what he said? He said, there's an open door of opportunity on earth. And remember we talked about how that's an open door for us to share the gospel, to share the good news, to share what Jesus has done, to to live a life. That's the open door, right? Sharing the full gospel. Now, John says, I looked up and I saw an open door in heaven. Now, listen, listen. I want to encourage you today. What's that? Guys, we have an unparalleled today. We have unparalleled opportunities, right, to serve God now, to witness, to share. They're out there, right? Whether we do it on social media, whether we do it one-on-one, whether we're having coffee with a buddy, whether we go to lunch with someone, we're sharing the gospel. Now, let me just say this. There's a lot of people who need Jesus, 
You go, amen. But there's a lot of people who need Jesus who are saved. Okay? You go out and you encourage them. Brother, you're not alone. Brother, I love you. We got it. That's the gospel. There's a lot of people who feel like they're stumbling and they're, okay, it's been a rough, it's been a rough year. It's been a rough two years. It's been a rough, and, and, and it has nothing to do with COVID and it has nothing to do with, and they've just had a rough, rough go of it. See, at Calvary Chapel, we're called to love people back to life. That's the full gospel. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I want to see people come to heaven. I want to see those who don't know Jesus come to heaven. I'll share the gospel, but also sharing the gospel. Listen to me. Is telling somebody, hey, man, I love you. I got your back. That's going to keep me straight, man. That's going to keep me straight. Church, we got to go after folks. We got to go after those that could protect. We, we just, we've got to. Why? Because, listen, there's going to come a time in eternity, guys, when we're not going to be able or need to witness anymore. Because once we get there, everyone in heaven is going to be saved. They won't struggle. So he's giving us a beautiful opportunity here. Now, let me just say this, Rosa. He didn't save us just to save us. He saved us so that he could use us for his kingdom. He saved us. Now, here's what he does. He says, listen, I'm going to take this guy named Ben. I'm going to put him on the pulpit, and he's going to teach you. But here's what he's going to do. He's going to equip you so you can do the work of the ministry. And you guys are doing an awesome job. I know your coworkers come to you when they're hurting. I know they see a difference in you. I know they ask you questions. I know it. You're doing a great job reflecting the light of Jesus. Are you perfect? No, of course we're not perfect, but we reflect who God is. As a matter of fact, John chapter 9, verse 4 says this. Jot this down. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Why? The night is coming when no one can work. Guys, do you see that? He says, now's the time. Alex, now's the time to work for God while it's daylight. Because it's coming a time we're not going to be able to. Not going to be able to. You will not believe social media and how people respond to everything. You go, what do you mean? One of my favorite groups is, was a Christian group called Striper. And Michael Sweet posted something on his Facebook. Now, he's got, he's got a bazillion followers. I don't know how many followers he's got. But he posted that one day that the, the Bible might be sometime, somehow, I don't even know how he said it, canceled, if you will, like, like taken away from us. Like, and that can happen, right? I mean, we're seeing things that really blow my mind. I mean, things, I'm, not, I'm like, really? I, I don't know what to do but to shake my head in disbelief. But what if the Bible is canceled because, because I mean, and, and here's the point. The point is that you had people going, yeah, that's right, amen. And you had a slew of people that just slammed him. Just, I mean, and it's like, it's like we can't say anything on social media without somebody going, mm-mm, and, 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 and being ugly. Church, let's not be ugly. Let's not be ugly. But there is a time, guys, where maybe there is going to be a time where this... Well, here's my encouragement to you. Memorize it. Can you have a Bible study if you didn't have a Bible? Yeah, pastor, because I memorized the Word of God. 
What if they took away our Bible's feathers? What if they took away? We want to, they might have, they might come in and say, yeah, that's hate speech, man. You can't say that. Guys, we have, pa- listen, we used to talk about it at a pastor's conference. There may be day coming when pastors go to jail for preaching the gospel. You know that's happening today? In our, in our country. In the free United States of America, there's pastors going to jail for preaching the word of God. And if they're not, they're being threatened. Memorize the word of God, guys. Not because it's like, oh, well, Pastor Ben made me memorize in discipleship, but because it's in your heart. And you can have God's word. It was David who said, Lord, thy word I have hid in my heart, so I won't sin against you. And so I have the word of God, and when those temptations come, I can quote scripture. I can walk in this. So what does John say back in our text? He says, listen, he said, man, there's an open door. It's heaven. Okay, so when death or the rapture closes our door on earth, we're going to see a brand new door in heaven. We're going to see a brand new door in heaven. And the book of Revelation, guys, okay, now catch this. The book of Revelation is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. For it teaches us about two comings, right? He came the first time as a little baby. He came as the lamb. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? but he's going to come back a second time as a lion. Okay? Between these two comings is something we talk about as as the rapture of the church. But remember, jot this down. Jesus doesn't come to earth in the rapture. We go to him. Okay? So it's not the first coming. It's not the second coming. When he comes back the second time, he's going to come back. He's going to set his foot in the Mount of Olives, and boy, you're going to see an earthquake. But the rapture is we're going to go to him. And he's going to come up, and, and, and we'll get into that here. I just get so excited to get ahead of myself. But he's going to be in the clouds. He's going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. As a matter of fact, we're given this description. If you're taking note, jot this down. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the, what's that word, guys? Trumpet of God, okay? Paul's writing this. And the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So Paul writes about this, but he uses the same terminology because John said, hey, I saw a voice like a trumpet. And Paul says, that's just, this is what it to be. I don't know what that's going to be. Uh, Nathalie asked me, what do you think the voice is going to be like? What do you think he's going to say? And and I don't know, but I know he's going to be like the trumpet of God. We're going to hear it. But I don't know if we're going to hear it with our physical ears or it's going to be our spiritual. <gasps> we're out of here. Kevin, let's go, baby. Let's go. We're out. Let's go. Let's go. This is what he's talking about, right? This is what he's talking about. Why? But we've we've discussed it in length, right? But just for the sake of those of you watching online, the word caught up, right? The word caught up in the Greek is harpazo, harpazo, okay? In the Latin, it's rapturus. In the English, it's rapture. So, so again, he's saying, listen, he says, the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be hard podzo. We'll be raptured. This is where we're getting this. And it means to be caught up or snatched away very violently. When the Lord comes, boom, he's going to do that. The trumpet's going to sound. Believers, we're not going to have time to look around. And here's the thing. We're not going to have time to go, yeah, I better get right with God. Oh, man. Oh, cross my fingers, cross my toes, man. Listen, it's, we, we need to be ready. 
Now, listen, that's the beauty of Christianity. When, you've, when you put your faith in God, you're ready. When you put your faith in God, you're ready. But man, I've, I've messed up, man. I've really blown it. You're ready. You believe in him. I worry about those who know this is going to happen. I worry about those, and they don't do anything about it. Paul also spoke about this, guys, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. He says, Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorrupt. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, so Paul talked about it to the Thessalonians. He talked about it to the Corinthians. Okay. He knows. And he says, in a twinkling of an eye, we've talked about this, guys. You know how fast, you know how much a twinkling of an eye is? Half a blink. Half a blink. The Lord's going to come at an unexpected time. We need to be ready. Now, this is what he says. And so this evening, we're going to take an in-depth look at the event called the rapture of the church, okay? Now, on our Sunday morning study, you guys know this. You know this, okay? The return of Jesus can come at any time. It's the imminent return. Now, what we've moved to is we've moved to the sequential events that are going to lead up to the tribulation. Now, the rapture could take place... And then there could be a time, I don't know how long, it could be months, there could be a time before the actual signing of the peace treaty that begins the tribulation. The purpose of showing you each sequential event is so that we can be ready for the imminent return. Because we're not, be, we're not looking for the tribulation. I want to be here for the tribulation. I just, I'm just, but I'm looking for Jesus to go before that. Now, what if I don't get raptured? Eventually, we're going to, if the Lord doesn't come back, guess what, Rosa? We're going to leave this world anyway. I want to be with the Lord. I want to be with the Lord. Now, let me just, to be fair, okay, let me be fair. There are some who believe, okay, in what we call a post-trib rapture, for post-tribulation, okay? Now, Here's the thing. This means that they believe that the believers will go through the seven year known as the great tribulation. They'll go through the seven years of the tribulation. First three and a half is peace. Second half is the great tribulation. And then they come back and, and they say, okay, then that's when Jesus is going to come after the tribulation. And, and listen, there's a lot of good scriptures to back that up. But in order for that to happen, the Bible tells us that we don't know the day or the hour when the Lord will return. But see, according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, we know that the Antichrist is going to make a covenant for Israel for seven years. We know that. And we know that this is Daniel's 70th week. So according to prophecy, we could know, if you will. Now, we won't know the day, per se. Maybe it would be the day to the day that they signed the peace treaty that the Lord would come back seven years. I don't know. God doesn't work on my timetables, but we would know definitely the time. 
At about six and uh, six and about three quarter years, hey, I better get right with the Lord. He's going to come back any time now. <laughs> we would know that, and, and that's okay. Now, another reason we know this is according to Revelation, we see what is called the abomination of desolation. You guys remember what that is, okay? The abomination of desolation. There's going to be a third temple in Israel. There's not one today. There's going to be a third one. Okay, the Jews are going to now worship again how they used to in Old Testament. They're going to bring uh, the lambs, they're going to bring sacrifices, they're going to have priests, and they're going to go through the whole atonement process. Why? Because they don't believe that Jesus was the Meshach, the Messiah. So they're looking for their Messiah. Now, they will continue to do this until they have their Messiah. At the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist is going to come in and he's going to sit on the throne and say, I am God, worship me. Okay? At that point, okay, Israel books it. They book it to Petra. They're, they're out of here. They're gone. They realize they're blasphemy. They're ripping their clothes. This is not a good deal. This is not a good deal. But after the abomination of desolation, the Bible says there are 1,260 days, okay, until the second coming which means that's three and a half years. So once you saw the abomination of desolation, you can pretty much go three and a half years from now. This is what the Bible says the Lord's coming back. That's what a lot of people, they make a stand on post-trip. Another position, to be fair, guys, is what they call a mid-trib, uh, mid-tribulation rapture, which means that they will be here for the first three and a half years. Okay? The peace treaty, and we're like, we're here, we're still here, Okay. Right? And then in the three and a half year, we'll be taken up. Again, according to Daniel chapter 12, verse 11, we saw that the Antichrist is going to sign a seven-year peace treaty with Israel. And according to the Bible, it would be three and a half years until the tribulation, or it should be three and a half years until the abomination of desolation. So again, all this tells us is that we would know both, we would know both events in Daniel 9 and Daniel 12, that we would see Jesus come back. Now, let me give you a disclaimer. Listen, saints, if you're here and you hold to a mid-trib position, I'm not going to fight with you. If you're here and you're holding to a post-trib, no, pastor, you're wrong. I know wonderful people who who are mid-tribbers, and I know wonderful people that are post-tribbers, okay? I'm not going to fight. Why? Because this is not a doctrinal issue to divide over. This is not, okay? We can agree to disagree and have wonderful fellowship. Now, on the doctrine of salvation, Jesus is the only way to heaven, I'll fight to the death on that. But on this, let's just love each other and just wait for the Lord to to work it out, the rapture of the church, okay? Let's just wait. Now, Calvary Chapel... Our church believes in a pre-trib rapture. Now, here's why. There's a lot, there's a, there's, there's a lot of good points to make for pre, for, for, for mid-trib. And I've seen guys do incredible job for post-trib. But personally, I've seen more evidence, overwhelming evidence for a pre-trib. And that's the conclusion the Lord gave to me. So, what do I want to do? For the rest of the time, guys, I want to give you seven reasons why I believe or why we believe this is going to take place before the tribulation. Why? Why would I do that? Why would I give you? Because here's what I want you to do. Because I, I, I want this, um, 
the purpose is so that this is how we should be living. This is how we should be living. Now, my wife comes up to me the other day and she says, hey, did you hear this guy? He said, um, it's irresponsible to tell the people that you're the generation that's going to see the rapture of the church. Here's why. He says, because if I say, hey, Yvonne, you're the rap- you're the generation that's going to see the rapture, I don't want Soph and Yvonne to go, okay, we're not going to fix our stove, we're not going to fix our thing, we're not going to do this, we're just going to wait for the Lord. That's irresponsible, is it not? Hey, I'm not going to pay my bills. I'm going to let my, let, you know, the credit, we're just going to raise up our, that's irresponsible. I understand that. That's why I say to you, we need to plan our lives like Jesus isn't coming back for 100 years. And what does that mean? Pay your bills. Do what you need to do. Get your education. All of that stuff. But live your life like he's coming back in the next five seconds. That's what we got to do. See, and I think that's responsibility right there. So, you guys ready? Got notes? Reason number one. The, I want you to notice the flow of the book of Revelation. Notice the flow. We have noted that Revelation is the only book with a divine outline. Okay? Understanding this is key to understanding the book. And you go, why so? Well, it's often confusing. I won't study the book of Revelation. There's no way. No, that's no, not meant to be. It's meant to be, it be, it's just really simple. Why? Because he said, here's the divine outline. He says, write the things that you have seen. John, this is your vision. The things that are really simple, the letter to the churches, the church life, the church age. And he says, now write the things that will take place, remember, after this, after the church is completed. Okay, after this. That's why I said, underline it. It's after this. And I find it noteworthy here that the word church, guys, jot this down. It's used 19 times in the first three chapters of the book. 19 times. Church. But from chapter 4, it's not used again back until chapter 19. Okay? The next time we see the word church, it's actually back in chapter 19. So, it's church, church, hear what the church, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Right? Now we just crossed over the threshold. It, with all intents and purposes, we're not here. We're... Pfft. And so this is what's going to happen. This is where people really like to get into this. Okay? So the third phase of the book deals with the section that John is writing. He's going, okay, this is what I saw. This first voice I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me saying, come up here, and I will show you which things must take place after this. Now catch this. Chapter 4 begins with that Greek phrase. Meta, M-E-T-A-T-A-U-T-A, metatata, after these things, okay? What things? After the things that we saw in chapters 2 and 3, those are done with. Looking at all the church age, we were up until 19, um, I think about 1915 with the Church of Philadelphia, and then from 1915 till today, we have the Church of Laodicea, after these things. Right now, we're not after these things, but, but he's, he's recorded it, he's told us what it's going to be. Okay? After what things? After the church age is completed, John sees the door, standing open in heaven. What's his rap? He says, after these metatata, after these things, I looked. That Greek word is edo, E-I-D-O. You go, what does that mean? It means to see with knowledge and understanding. 
Okay? It's not just observation. Whoa, clouds, look at that. It's not that. It's like, oh, I get it. Come on, somebody. Because the Bible says that when we go, when we get there, we will know all things like he knows. We will, we're not just going to go to heaven and be going, wow, this is so cool. Streets of gold, just like they said. This is amazing. Oh, look at that stuff. We're going to know what? In God's, in our spirit, we're going to, we're going to have all understanding. We're like, oh. Guys, when we get to heaven, we're not going to go to the Lord and go, Lord, I don't understand why this happened in my life and why that happened and why this and this road and this path and this, this I don't understand. No, we're going to know. We're going to know. Edo means to see with knowledge. He says, I heard a voice like a trumpet. Guys, we saw that in 1 Thessalonians. A trumpet. And in 1 Corinthians. And then he says this. He says, come up here and I will show you things. The voice says, I want to show you what's going to take place after what? Again, meditata, right? After the church age is completed. So in just these two verses, guys, we see, boom. After this, he's, he's literally closing something down with that Greek phrase. After the, okay, it's time to move on. After this. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Now, I believe, guys, just an observation, this is a beautiful picture of the rapture. How so? The trumpet sounding, John being called up, come up here, okay, to meet the Lord. Seeing the things that must take place after the church age, and the church is not seen on the earth until the second coming. From chapters 4 to 19, we're gonna, that's seven years. The problem is, guys, it's seven years of harsh, all, forgive me, all hell breaking loose on earth. It's, it's awful. The tribulation is awful. Now, people will say, well, Ben, Christians, they're not exempt to to tribulation. We're not exempt to persecutions. We're not exempt to going through some tribulation, but not the tribulation. And I'll show you how in just a minute, okay? Chapters 4 and 5 here is going to deal, you can take note, jot this down, is going to deal with the church in heaven. It's going to tell us. As a matter of fact, in chapter 5, verse 9, it says this. Ready? Look at it. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Now, notice it again. What did he say? He says, you have slain. Who's that? That's Jesus. You with me? Okay. It says, and have redeemed us to God. You go, redeemed? Who's the redeemed? That's us. Only we can say that. Okay. But but chapter 4 and 5 are talking about heaven. You guys with me? Chapter 4 and 5 are heaven. And he's going, oh, that's us. That's us. That's us. Just a little side note. What a beautiful song to sing now. That he's redeemed us. He's redeemed us. 
all takes place after, after the church is in heaven. Guys, from chapter 6 to 19, it deals with the great tribulation, the wrath of the Lamb. Okay? Now, I have some homework for you. Okay? Here's your homework. Read chapter 6 of Revelation for reference. Okay? Just read it this week sometime. Read chapter 6. Okay? That's your homework. Now, reason number one, we see the flow of the book. It's a pretty solid reason. You go, okay. Give me reason number two. Okay? Reason number two is the message we found in 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. It says this, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay? We noted that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is talking about the rapture and when we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And he ends that thought with an exhortation. He says, okay, all of this is going to happen. Watch out. You're going to hear a trumpet. We're out of here. The dead in Christ, all of that stuff. But he says, oh, by the way, let me exhort you. Comfort one another with these words. Okay? Very, very, very important. Why? That's a, that's a key reason. See, he's teaching us that we, that we need comfort and to comfort each other. You see, he didn't tell us the rapture of the church. He didn't tell us all of this and we all go, <gasps> to freak us out. He said, comfort, comfort one another. Hey, this is going to happen. It's okay. It's okay. Now, here's the thing, guys, here's the thing. Life hits us pretty hard. Amen? It does. It hits us hard. I mean, whether whether it's losing a job, losing a home, um, losing a spouse, whatever it might be, it, life hits us pretty hard. And we got to be careful and go, hey, by the way, just don't worry about it. Jesus is coming back. You'll be fine. I feel like that's a band-aid. Jesus is coming back. We know that. But guys, listen. But but the gospel is that we walk through it together. And and it's so important. It's so important. Because because he's told us to comfort one another with that. Hey, listen, so if Jesus is coming back, but see, my buddy still needs listen, sometimes, sometimes they just listen, I, I gotta be honest with you. It was, it was several years ago that my uh, youngest daughter ran away. She was 18. She decided to move with some guy. And uh, we had a pastoral meeting, I remember. And I remember telling the guys, I'm like, I don't know. It was my daughter, my baby. She's... And you know what I didn't need? I just didn't need a, 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 I just didn't need a Band-Aid verse. You know? Oh, man, trust I, I, I knew the Bible. I knew the Bible. And sometimes we're real good to do that. Well, for you take every thought captive or... What I needed was somebody just to put their arm around me and say, it's going to be okay. And it is okay. She's okay. But at the time, I was freaking out. You understand, that's what we got to do. We got to comfort one another in life. But we also say, hey, listen, ultimately, we are going home. Okay? So I don't want you to put your dent pegs too deep. I want you to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Okay, okay. Okay. Reason number three. We believers, the Bible says, are not appointed to wrath. Okay? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul is discussing his theme of the rapture. Okay? He's continuing from chapter 4. Okay? 
which he says is going to come as a thief in the night. But he also says the day of the Lord, that's when the day of the Lord begins, at the rapture. Okay, At the end of the thousand-year reign, so the time of the tribulation when the wrath of God is being poured out. Okay, So it's going to be poured out, all of that, in those seven years. Now, on that thought, listen to what Paul says. He offers some words of encouragement. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, it says this, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Okay, so here's the question. You guys are so intelligent. I could I could hear you thinking it. You go, Ben. Why hasn't God appointed us to wrath? Why? I'll tell you why. Listen, the wrath we deserve was paid for us at Calvary. It was poured on to Jesus on the cross. You see, everything. I deserved was on him. When he was on the cross, guys, every lustful thought, every, everything, guys, the wrath that I deserved was poured on him. We're not appointed to wrath. But does that mean we'll have some hardships on earth? Yes. Peter told us we're going to suffer, and we're going to suffer like Jesus. And some of some of our, our some of our people that we love dearly are going to going to leave the earth. They are, and it kills us, and it breaks our heart. But if they're believers, then we know we're going to see them again. Now that doesn't offer much hope in the moment because we miss them so dearly. I'm just I'm just I'm just being real here. Okay, we miss them in the moment, but we also know. We're going to see him again. Guys, it's almost been it's almost been 10 years since my dad passed. And I was there on his deathbed when he passed. And I miss him. But the hope I do have even now, 10 years later, is that I'm going to see him again. But more more importantly, he knows the Lord better than I do. He's there. He's in the... And now he knows why his son was called into the ministry. I'm excited about that. Okay, reason number four. You guys ready? Reason We've got three reasons so far. Reason number four. Tribulation is known is what? The tribulation is known is the time of Jacob's trouble. Guys, Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Jot that down. Jacob's trouble. Why would they name it that? Now, we have a term for it here, okay? You guys need to jot this down. We have a term that, that, that they're using. It's called the Great Reset. If you hear that, that's the, that's, that's the plan for the tribulation. Or build back better. That's a term for the tribulation. But God said, no, 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 here's the thing. I'm going to call it Jacob's trouble. Why? Why? It's important to us. It's important to us, okay? Because the purpose is to what? Is to shake up Israel. It's a purpose to shake up Israel, guys. 
It's called the time of Jacob's trouble, not the time of the church's trouble. If we were left behind in the tribulation, we would be, we would just be part of it. Now, here's what happens. Where, where a lot of people get confused and say, no, 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 see, the church is going to be in the tribulation is because they used replacement theology. And they say, since Israel rejected the Messiah, now the church has become, no, 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 he's still dealing with it. Go to Romans. Romans will talk about that, guys. But he, but, but he, you know, he, he just says this. He says, it's a time of Jacob's trouble. As a matter of fact, Romans 9 through 11, God, he's not done with Israel. Okay, 9, 10, and 11, 9 is the past of Israel, 10 is the, is the present, and then 11 is the future of Israel. God's not done with Israel. Okay, he's not done with Israel. Now, some of the Jews, guys, are going to be saved now. Some of the Jews will. But then they're all going to be saved. They're going to restore Israel. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Okay, but Matthew 24 makes this even clearer. Talking to the disciples about the rapture and the tribulation, he says it's going to be difficult, especially in the second three and a half years. He says that's what he says. Because the division, the first three and a half years, the Antichrist is going to be at peace with Israel. He's going to be the one that set up the peace treaty. He's the one that's going, hey, can't we all get along? And then the second F is going to be an abomination of desolation. What for? To persecute them persecute them. That event and the persecution comes upon Israel is going to cause the wrath of God to be increased. Talking about that time, the Lord tells us in Matthew 24, 15, says, therefore, what does he say, guys? When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of the Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who, in, who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let them who is on the housetop go down or not go down and take anything out of his house. And let him who's in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. What's he talking about, guys? This is very, jot this down, this is very Jewish. This is very Jewish. Why is he saying? He goes, guys, pray that it's not on the Sabbath. You go to Israel today, they still have Shabbat. They still, they still celebrate for the most part, the, the, the holy ones do. But if you go to, if you go to a hotel on, there is a, there is a Shabbat elevator. It just goes to every floor. Don't press a button because that's work. He says, man, listen. Now, now listen. Here's the thing. Feathers. Think about this. Think about this. When we read this 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have FaceTime. We didn't have real time. We had none of this. But you see, Israel, they're leading that. They're leading the nation in technology. So here's the point. They're going to be out in the field. They'll know with the ping on their phone, something's happened. Wait a minute. Abomination. Wait a minute. What happened in the temple? And he says, hey, listen, here's the thing. When you hear about this, you better go to the mountains. You better go. You better run. You know, you better go. Hey, listen, make sure that don't even go back. If you're in the field, don't even go. But I got to go back and get some clothes. He says, don't do that. It's going to get really, really bad. And he says, hey, pray that your flight, your flight may not be at winter or Sabbath. Why? Because there's no transportation in the Sabbath. On the Sabbath day, there's none. Think about this for just a second. Think about this. You say, Ben, I have a question. 
This is how my brain works, Mike. When I went to Israel in 2011, even if it's the Sabbath, there's taxis everywhere. You, you, you could get it. It didn't matter, okay? They were still serving. You're, I'm, I'm not Jewish. They're, they're, we're, we're, we're um, traveling through where, yeah, so they're going to take care of us, right? We're guests. Now, this might blow your mind. What if the country was shut down for some reason? And there were no travelers to Israel. And they respected the Sabbath. Well, then there wouldn't be any taxis. There wouldn't be any buses. There wouldn't be anything going on in the Sabbath, would there? I'm out on a limb there. I don't know. I mean, it could happen. It could happen in Israel. Pastor, what's the point? Listen, here's where we kind of land on this. It doesn't apply to us. The tribulation is a time when God works in and through Israel. Now, here's my heart. My heart is that Gentiles will still get saved during that time. And you go, what do you mean? Those friends and and loved ones and aunties and uncles and and that, that are walking the fence, they'll still get saved because they'll realize, oh, man. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit will still will still move in Gentile. But for the most part, guys, you know the Holy Spirit is going to be working on Israel. Okay? Reason number five. Um, We are to be looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. Titus 2.11 says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what's he telling us? He's saying we should be looking for Jesus. This is, this is what we should be looking. We're instructed to be looking for the coming of Jesus. This is what Titus is saying, guys. This is, this is right here. And a matter of fact, if you do a careful study in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says that we're not going to know who the Antichrist is. So there's a there, there there's just a lot and 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 listen I don't know about you but I don't want to be looking for the antichrist anyway I want to be looking for Jesus Christ. You go what does that mean? Well let's take a step back in our everyday lives and let's be careful that we're not getting too involved in the news that we've forsaken the Bible. You know, well, who could this be? And, we're, and I think that could be the Antichrist. And I don't know. You see that French president out there? I don't know. He's crazy. But and it's like, but but have you read the word? Oh, well, no. I Hold on. Okay. Let's not do that. I think it's wise to know what's going on in the world. But I think it's even wiser to have your face in the book. Reason number six. The types in the Old Testament. That's number six. Luke 17 says, like in, I'm sorry, Luke 17 says, like in the days of Noah, we're living in the days of Noah. You guys with me? But it also goes on to say, as in the days of Lot, we're living in the days of Lot. Listen to me. In our country right now, where a grown man can go into a, a, anyways, you guys, it's just, we're in those days. We're in those days, in the days of Noah, in the days of Lot, guys. 
Well, let's go back to Noah. Let's go back to Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, we have a story of Noah, a beautiful picture of what's going to happen in the last days. You guys with me? You go, what do you mean? At the time of Noah, guess what was happening? God was judging the earth. Remember, he said, I'm sorry that I made man with the flood and God's wrath being poured out on wicked mankind. A, all these, this is just a, a world that forsaken God, given over to sexual morality, to violence, to selfishness, to perversity, just like our world. Now, during the flood, who does the Lord protect? Noah and his family in the ark. You guys ready? They are a type of Israel. You go, how so? Well, remember, who is God going to protect during the tribulation? Israel. Although the wrath is being poured out, God's still protecting them. You guys with me? Okay? Now, think about this. Think about this. Where's the church in, in this scenario? Okay? In Genesis chapter 5, the church is seen in the person of Enoch, who was a contemporary of Noah. Do you guys remember Enoch? Enoch walked with God... And the Bible says, and he was not. What does that mean? God took him. God took him. And it's a beautiful picture of the rapture. Enoch is a type of the church. Noah, in the Old Testament type, is a type of Israel being protected, even though there's judgment. Rosa, the rest of the world died, didn't they? They were part of that judgment. So, so we got to be careful. Got to be careful. Lord, nobody, I don't want anybody left behind. Nobody. See, a second type is actually found in Genesis 18 and 19. It's the story of Lot. You guys remember the story of Lot? The story of Lot, God sends angels to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. Do you guys remember? There wasn't 10 people in that city who worshiped God. There wasn't even 10. Abraham said, would you spare that, Lord, please? Would you spare for 10 righteous people? And God said, yes, if there's only 10. But you know what it says, say? It says that the Lord delivered righteous Lot from the destruction. There wasn't even 10 in there. But Peter says, no, 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 there was. Well, see, he wasn't in the city. He was delivered before the destruction. Just for reference, a third illustration is in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. You know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? They're in the judgment. They're in the fiery furnace. But the question comes up, where was Daniel? Where was Daniel? He's absent from the story, most likely taken away on business, and most scholars point that Daniel is a type of the church. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a type of Israel being protected during harsh judgment. Was there not a fourth person in the fiery furnace? The Lord was walking with them, and the Lord's going to walk with Israel. He's going to do it. So we have different types here of the Bible and, and, and that really points to the fact that the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation. We go, amen. But let me give you the seventh reason, and we're going to close with this one, okay? We're going to close with this one real quick. 
It's the Jewish wedding ceremony. Okay? It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful picture. You go, well, how so? (sighs) Well, it's not like us. Okay, when when we get married, we go, hey, baby, I like you a lot. Want to marry me? And she says, okay. And we we come up to a pastor and we say we say our vows and we're married. Woo, da 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 da. It's the whole thing. It maybe lasts a day or two at the most with the wedding rehearsal. But the Jewish doesn't do that. It's different. They're actually betrothed. Do you realize that he says, man, we're going to be betrothed? Okay, okay. And so what he does, he says, listen, we're going to be betrothed. And betrothed is like engaged, but it's like being married, but without all the other benefits, okay? It's like, you're married. Do I get to kiss her? No, 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 but you're married. Don't you look at another man or anything else. So he's married. So what does it do? The husband says, okay, we're married. We're betrothed. I'm going to go, and I'm going to build an addition onto my dad's house so you and I can come and live. So he goes home. Now, she sits there and she waits. Every day she waits for her husband to come back. But he goes home and he starts to build a house. Now, the father's part of the house. And the, and, and the dad is like, how's it going, son? Almost there, dad. Almost there. Well, son, it's been about a year. Okay. And he's building and he's building an addition, right? And then dad comes in and goes, dad, I think it's done. Son, that looks amazing. You know what he says? Go get your bride. So the guy goes, so all of a sudden, there's a big commotion in town, and the, and the little bride's heart starts going pitter-patter, 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 pitter-patter. And he comes, and he gets her. And you realize that the wedding ceremony is not an hour. It lasts for seven days. Seven days, there's this huge feast. They're consummating the marriage. They're there, but, but the guests, they're having a great time. They're having a great time. Jesus, guys, Jesus uses, he he compares this situation in John 14. John 14, Jesus is saying, I'm going to heaven to do what? To prepare a place for you, my bride. And he said, and I'm going to come again and receive you to myself. And he also says, no one knows that day or the hour of what? Except the Father. Jesus said we should know the times and the seasons and understand things are getting closer. Now, the bridegroom would be working on the house and the bride would get reports from friends. I think it's almost done. Guess what I heard? It's almost done. I think he's ready. That's And she'd go, no, for real? Right? You serious? Yeah, I think he's coming. She's ready to be married to her husband. She loves her husband. This is the one she's going to spend the rest of her life with. And so, there you go. The walls are up, the roof is on, the windows are in, the doors are up. It could be any day now. be any day now. Over the years in Israel, it's been a custom that the bridegroom is is going to surprise his bride in the middle of the night, or at least early morning. And he and his groomsmen would come into the house, into town, into her house, making a lot of noise. Can you imagine? Hey, wake up! Can you imagine? And her bride and her bridesmaids are needed to be ready. So every night as it got closer, she went to bed ready.
It's an incredible picture, guys, of what the Bible teaches that Christ in his church. First of all, we're betrothed to him. Amen? He's gone to prepare that place. No one knows the day or the hour except the Father. The bride gets the reports. How do we get the reports, guys? You can see it in front of you. You can see it. I don't know about you, but my spirit leaped. Okay, we're getting close. We're getting close. And then the bridegroom comes. And then we have a seven-year feast in heaven. I love that. I love that. So tonight, guys, you had seven reasons why the Bible teaches, guys, that the rapture will take place before the tribulation. Guys, we've been given victory, freedom, and hope in Jesus. Hope that he's coming to take us to heaven before the tribulation starts. First Peter 1.3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved for the heavens. Reserved in heaven for you. Those who have a hope, guys, your life is going to be affected in four ways. You ready? Number one, it produces a cleanliness in life. You know what do you mean? Holiness. You realize he's coming back. I need to be ready. Number two, knowing Jesus can come at any moment, you have a holy fear in you. You go, what does that mean? Not only holy fear, but a healthy expectation. We're going to live godly. We're going to live godly. Number three, it produces comfort in sorrow. And number four, it produces a conviction in service. We've got to get busy. We've got to get busy. Four reasons right now that our lives will be affected, four ways. But we look at those seven reasons. Father, we thank you tonight for your word, God, and the truth in your word. God, we love, we love, we love dissecting your word. Father, we trust you, and we put all our hope and faith in you. And so tonight, God, I pray. I pray you would just do an incredible work. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, I never want to leave a teaching without an opportunity for you to surrender your life to Jesus. It's not too late for you to open up your heart and invite him inside. It's not too late for you to say yes to the God who created you, the God who has a plan for you, the God who wants to walk with you and love you. It's not too late. Ben, I don't know what to do. All you have to do is open up your heart. You have to just believe. You have to confess and say, Lord, I've lived my life my way. I want to live, my, I want to live this life your way. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried. I believe you resurrected, God. I know you resurrected. And I believe you're coming back for me. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Forgive me for all the wrongdoings. Forgive me for my attitude. I'm asking you to guide me now. I've lived my life this way and I've made a mess of it. But if you'll come in and guide me, I want to follow you. So I open up my heart. Open up my heart. I invite you inside. And I ask you, real simple, Lord, be my Lord. And be my God. And be my Savior. But Lord, be my friend. Because I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, we want to know about it. Listen, if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, God has moved in your heart, man. We want to know about it. Please send us a comment. Drop us an email. uh, Call us at the church. Whatever you need to do. But we want to walk with you in this. We love you. We love you. We love you. God bless you. 
God bless you. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.